Disruption. Digital disruption. It's something we hear a lot about. Our lives are changing with smartphones and robots, a part of our everyday life. Emily King, how many robots do you have in your life? I honestly do not know. But we did hear a bit about what the future might mean at this particular conference. We're at Lamex in Perth. Lamex has been great and we've heard about the potential to be able to choose technologies that can make farming businesses smarter, more profitable, more productive, more efficient. Being able to choose technology that actually works for you. So, welcome to The Yarn, a podcast to and for the Australian wool industry. I'm Marius Cumming, this is Emily King, and we heard at Lamex from Melissa Clark-Reynolds. She is a... Self-confessed maths geek. Yeah, it's a pretty impressive title. She's also an independent director of Beef and Lamb New Zealand as a... Foresight practitioner. I think that possibly means crystal ball gazer. Yeah, professional crystal ball gazer. Anyway, she um, had a lot to say, a lot of really interesting things to say, and importantly, she predicts where technology is taking us, and she understands that it can also scare people. When we look at technologies, we sort of freak out a bit about them and we think, oh my God, that's going to be awful. Um, But what actually happens in reality is that those technologies, if they're any good and they um, make us money, we we adopt them. Uh, So if you think a bit about um, autonomous tractors, right? So people talk a lot in the urban areas about autonomous cars, but actually autonomous tractors are leading the charge. There are more tractors out there on farms around the world than there are autonomous cars on the roads. So I think it's kind of a myth sometimes we think that farmers are slow to take up um, technology. They'll take up technology if it makes them money. You know, one of the big interesting things I see coming in um, the sector is the growth of robotics. And so, um, in a way, an autonomous tractor is actually like a big robot that we get into. And, and I compared that in my talk to the plane that I caught over here. Planes are basically big robots, you know. And then what we're seeing is we're seeing more and more robotics being used in the meat processing sector. And I absolutely believe we're going to see robotic sharing um, within quite a short period of time. You know, I don't think it's one of those in my lifetimes. I think it's going to be within the next decade. Well, you'll need to listen to the robotic sharing episode. Oh, I'd a love few, to do that. A few weeks ago. Anyway, there's an update coming. But you gave uh, a very good analogy around uh, John Deere, speaking of tractors. And you said John Deere are not actually in the tractor business. Yeah. So John Deere, you know, they, they're a couple of hundred, well, hundred and something year old company. Um, they were growing quite well for a long time and then they stalled and about 10 years ago they had a really good look at their business model. There's a guy Clayton Christensen from Harvard who I, I love his work and he says there are no disruptive technologies, there's only disruptive business models. And what he means by that is that the technology itself is kind of whatever. Um, but you need to find a way for it to make money before that technology becomes disruptive. So if we back up a little, John Deere just found that their old business model wasn't working. You know, selling tractors to farmers wasn't working. Um, they tried a few things. They tried leasing tractors, and that still worked for a little while, but it didn't really make them that much money. And they sat down and they looked at their value proposition. And what they found was that farmers didn't really want a tractor. Which I know it's going to sound weird because every farmer I know wants a tractor, right? Uh, and so what they realised was farmers actually wanted better yields. And um, that one insight transformed John Deere. And they're now one of the most high-tech companies in the world. Uh, they have a huge agri-tech fund that they invest in new technologies. 
Um, they use things like artificial intelligence to make those autonomous tractors work, um, robotics obviously. Um, but what it is is they realise that they need to also get into the software business. So um, they've got a great portal called My John Deere, um, or My Deere, I can't remember now. But it's um, designed to help farms become more efficient, more productive. You know, a lot like all the, a lot of the farm management tools that we use in Australia and New Zealand, John Deere realised that they couldn't stay in the tractor business. They had to integrate the tractor with those farm management tools and really help croppers get better crops, help producers grow the right crops so that the animals they fed those crops to were the best weights, and, and they transformed the company. So I'm not, I'm not going to ask you what business you think wool growers are in, but but bringing it to a personal level, you had a your your final slide was a very powerful one because it it brought it back to the lamb industry, um, and you you made a big statement about lamb, not necessarily being in the lamb business, but yeah. um, tell us yeah. a little bit about yeah. uh, your penny drop moment. Yeah, actually, I'm going to back you up one step because um, so so I wear a lot of wool and I do it for a few things. I've always been um, super outdoorsy. I do adventure races. So the last one I did, there were 900 women in the freezing cold, <laughs> sleet, rain, you know, and we um, we we did we were mountain biking, running, uh, whitewater rafting, and kayaking, right. And um, I did the entire thing in my woolen gear, right? And um, if you think, I started doing that stuff 30 years ago and I used to have to do it in polyprop, it was horrible. So, so when I think about that and today, you know, I'm wearing pure wool pants and I wore a pure wool dress yesterday, you know, I think the big difference, and I've seen you guys do this well in Australia, is the transition from thinking you're in the wool business to moving into the fashion business. And that's one thing. The other thing I really saw is, like, I'm a grandmother now, and so two things I sent my grandchildren when they were born. One of them was a sheepskin. And in New Zealand, we have a real tradition of putting babies on sheepskins, right? So I sent them a sheepskin each, and I sent them the most gorgeous little merino baby gear. And, you know, it goes in the washing machine, it goes in the dryer, it works for, you know, they live in London, it works in a little London flat, you know. And and I think that transition to thinking, oh, I'm in the baby gear is also yeah. part of what's happened. Yeah. So coming right back, the penny drop moment for me was, um, I was thinking recently about, like, the best meal I've ever had. And, you know, when you think back, you might think, oh, Michelin star restaurants, and I've eaten a few of those, and I've eaten all over the world. And I, I stopped and I went, actually, the best meal I ever ate uh, was three years ago at my son's wedding in France. And anyone who's a parent knows how amazing your kid's wedding is, right? And I was looking around this table and there were four generations of us at the dinner table. And we flew to France um, and so my son and his friends went and they chose these lambs that we were going to have for dinner. So they went to the farm that we had the wedding at. We chose the lambs. I didn't go quite so far as naming them. Um, took these lambs and they got put into a field of mint for a month before the wedding. And, uh, that is mint, by the way. Oh, yeah, that is it's like green leafy stuff that you use, you know, make a sauce with. And apparently it, it affects the flavour of the yeah. lamb, right? And um, so we're willing to pay extra for this whole thing. And then we get there and the boys go into a butchery course, like for the stag night. And then when we get to the wedding, they butcher the lambs and they dress them and, and we have a barbecue outdoors, you know, build a fire and put one lamb over each fire and there's a bit of banter between the French and the Kiwis over, you know, who can cook lamb and I have to say the French don't know how to cook lamb. And um, we have this amazing lamb and it gets served like out to the 50 or so people at the wedding outside in the sun, you know, with flowers and everything. 
And um, and I looked around the table and I just, you know, I was like, I was so full that I wanted to cry, like full with love, you know, not food. And I stopped for a minute and I went, you know what, New Zealand and Australian meat industry, we're not in the meat business. Um, we're in the love business. And the reason that we serve that food to our families is because we love them, right? So if I'm if I'm seeing them and I think, oh, come home for Sunday roast, you know, to my kids, I want them to come home and know that like that's mummy love, right? And if it's mummy love, which is the best love ever, if it's mummy love, then I want to know that that sheep was raised with the best ethics possible. That you know that it wasn't um, mules, that it wasn't um, full of fly strike, you know, whatever it was. It had a great life. That um, uh, until that sort of happy, 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 oops, dead kind of moment. You know, I want to know that it had the best life possible and it was looked after um, because it is my expression of love to my family. Yeah, it was a, it was a, a, a very uh, clear uh, communication you had. And before that, you were talking about the massive disruption that, say, Amazon um, have taken. Can your mummy love mm. be transferred through Amazon? Yeah, I'll tell you a great story again. So my son lives in London. And we have a family tradition that um, I will make you breakfast in bed on your birthday. Okay, so um, so you can choose anything you want, and I'll make breakfast in bed. And so my son's in London, and I think, well, that's a bit hard, you know, how am I going to do that? So go online, and I start Googling the best online butchers in the UK, and I find this company called Pharmacin. And I, I look through all their options, and they've got an option that is breakfast in bed. Okay, so so I order this box, and it's got black pudding, and it's got like Yorkshire spotted pig bacon, and you can pretty much like find Harry the pig that you want it from. And it had some sausages, and it had tomatoes and mushrooms, and uh, that home sort of half baked bread, right? And so I phone his wife up, and I say, "Hun, I want to do this like for rope. Um, when would it work for you?" She's like, oh, we'd like to sleep in. Could it come between 10 and 10.15? And I go, no problem. So I go back online to Pharmacin, and they offer me a 15-minute window. And at 10.12 in the, in the morning, on Saturday morning, there's a knock on the door. There's a little man with a box. She makes him breakfast, and then we Skype while he has breakfast in bed. <laughs> so you, it happened? It happened. And I, I keep thinking that part of this disruptive technology that's happening is that there's the ability for me to customise my experience, right? So um, so I do buy a meat box in New Zealand. You know, we buy it direct from a farmer that we know and love, right? Um, and I can customise it. I can say how much of what cuts I want. And, and it, we're you know, quite different now that there's only the two of us in the house and we're empty nesters. But every now and then everyone comes home and we want to know that we've got, you know, something that will feed a bigger family. So I love that whole mail order thing. I love being able to customise it for me. I love that, again, like Pharmacin, that I can get exactly what I want delivered in a 15-minute window on the other side of the world, and that's my expression of happy birthday love. And so we need to get to a point where our ability to use this technology isn't because the technology is there, right? I don't want people to use EID because EID is cool. We want to use EID because it'll enable us to use blockchain, and blockchain will enable us to prove transparency and provenance. And so that when I buy, I was just saying, I, I bought the Xenia fabric online from the UK. 
when I started to research it, was made with Australian Merino, you know, from, and they've got an integrated supply chain where they've ended up buying into some Australian farms. It goes up to Europe. I bought it from the UK. It's going to get sent to me in New Zealand, and I'm going to get a suit made for me in New Zealand. Now, it would have been more efficient if I could have bought it straight from Australia, but I couldn't, right? Um, but I can completely customise for myself an outfit that I want made from wool that I know has been grown ethically and appropriately and, and is a beautiful texture and everything else. It's great. And you will look fabulous in thank it. You. you really will. I can't <laughs> believe you're a grandmother. Um, but thank you very much for thank your you. insight today on the stage. Yeah. And uh, also thanks for having a yarn with us. Oh, thanks so much. And um, yeah, I look forward to being back. So that's Melissa Clark Reynolds, Foresight Practitioner and Independent Director with Beef and Lamb New Zealand. One of the many highlights here at Lamex in Perth. Emily King, what have been your highlights at Lamex? I think on top of everything it was just great to get to Lamex and see so many great industry presenters and speak to so many producers, growers from around Australia. There really were people there right from around Australia and I have to say as well one of my other big highlights uh, as I'm based in Dubbo was flying into Perth and actually seeing some rain on the ground and some green grass so nice change from what we're facing at the moment in the eastern states. Our thoughts are with all the sheep producers and all farmers across New South Wales and big parts of Queensland that are desperately desperately looking for rain. Now subscribe to the podcast. If you'd like to provide any story ideas or any feedback please email theyarn at wool.com. Thanks for joining us for The Yarn. Uh, From me, Marius Cumming, and... Me, Emily King. Speak to you again soon.